0: It's good to have you with us tonight. I'm the sneak attack tonight. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for the music tonight. Praise the name of the Lord. wanted to just give you a little bit of a praise report. Um, we haven't given you one in quite a while. Um, uh, but uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of an update on our prison ministry while I was up here tonight. Uh, we thank the Lord for the increase that God has given us in the workers to work. Uh, especially, uh, I, I say, in the men's ministries. Uh, we still need help, always need help, always can have more. Women's ministries needs more support and some more women to help. They're having uh, great services. Uh, my wife and, and um, uh, Shirley's been going, and Eudora has been, and it has been a great blessing. And a couple, three weeks ago, uh, they went down. They normally minister into two pods, which is two places where they, they actually go in where the, where the prisoners live. And... Uh, so they were down there, and they walked into Chaplain Jefferson's office. And she said, oh, I'm glad you guys are here. And they signed in and went over to talk to her. And she says, I know that you guys have sound doctrine, and, you, and the, the, the women just love you guys. And she said, we've started a new program for women of, of domestic violence. And we need mentors to be able to mentor them, and we want you guys to do it. And so the the women's now are ministering uh, not just in the pods to the regular population, but also for those women who have gone through uh, domestic violence and uh, and uh, uh, in, in helping their. Uh, the men's ministries has expanded. We have our regular uh, chapel services that we've been holding. We have been using going to one of the prisons and also to the Harris County Jail, and uh, uh, we have been just doing uh, the. Uh, Oh, we call it chapel service there. But here a few weeks ago, we had the opportunity. They allowed us now that we can not only, when we go to do the uh, chapel service, we leave a couple of guys in there to do the chapel service with anywhere from 15 to 30 guys, depending on how many show up. And then the rest of us are able to go down and go into the pods and actually minister just like the, the women do, giving a Bible study to the men there in the, in the pods themselves. And so we've had a great expansion, and we can actually go. We have the availability to be able to see all of the men on our floor that God has allowed us to do. In other words, we have so many pods that are assigned to us. We have um, ten pods that we are responsible for. And so uh, uh, all we need is people to be able to go. We go two by two going into the pods. So if anybody is interested in the women's, I ask you to talk to my wife. Uh, you can also speak with Shirley if you just need someone, if you can't get to my wife. Uh, but we have a training session coming up for the, only one more session this year, and that's going to be November the 16th on a Saturday. So if you get all your paperwork done, you could do that and be able to, uh, uh, even if you can't help right into, at the uh, end of this year, you'll be able to start back fresh in January. So anybody interested in that, I would uh, encourage you to do so. Just to let you know, uh, this year we have seen. Um, between people, new, new confessions of salvation of 107 men, and this is this the men's statistics, and 93 rededication, giving us a total of over 200, a little over 200 for this year. And we thank the Lord for that. I think you just need to get a little praise offering for that. Praise the Lord. So the Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. I was trying to decide and been praying. My wife can't even confirm this. I've been up and down about which way I was going with this message tonight. So I had four choices to go with, so I just decided to preach them all since I couldn't decide which one. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you tonight, but uh, anyway, I want the title of my message tonight is If You Will, He Will. If You Will, He Will. And I think you understand who that is. If You Will, talking about you and talking about I, if we do something, then God will. And a lot of people don't understand, everybody likes to be on the receiving ends of blessings. How many of you like to be on the receiving end of blessings? It's good to be on the receiving end of blessings, but many times God has commanded us to do many, many things. And the last time I ministered here, I ministered out of the book of John, the 15th chapter, talking about how we're part of the vine and all of the things that are there. And I mentioned a little bit about the word if, if we do something. God, from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning all the way in the garden, from the time of creation has given man a self-will. A will to be able to, to do what he wants to do. We have the right and the privilege of, fr- of what we call... We say in America today we have freedom of choice. We have freedom of choice in America today, but we have freedom of choice in whatever we do every day. We make thousands of choices every day. Thousands of choices. And all that comes to the will of mankind. But if you go back and look from the very beginning... When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, Jesus, Jesus uh, gave Adam a will. In one sense of the word, He gave him a will. But the thing was, was when He created him to start with, Adam and Eve only knew good. They knew no evil. All they knew was the good things to do. They didn't. Even, they were totally and completely innocent. They knew nothing but good things. But even in even the fact that they knew good things, even God said. Uh, he gave, even though He gave them a will, He had a will and He kind of gave them His will. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So He put him in the garden, He gave him the garden, gave him everything of the garden, everything that was good for him to eat, everything that would sustain him for everything that he needed. All he had to do was to tend it and to keep it up. In other words, to tend to take care of the garden that God had given him. And it said, And the Lord God commanded the man, made a commandment, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat it you will surely die. If you notice, he didn't say you can't eat he told you you can't eat of this one, but he didn't say you cannot partake of the tree of life, because if you read in before that in Genesis two nine, it says, "And out of the ground the Lord made every tree good; every tree grow that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there were two trees in the center, of, in the midst of the garden. One of them was the knowledge of good and evil. The other one was." tree of life, if you want to look at what it's called, okay, the tree of life. We know that later on, after man did sin, he put angels, cherubims to guard to keep Adam and Eve from going back in and partaking of that tree of life, right? So if they had, they would have lived forever because that was something that they could live forever. Even though they knew good, they didn't make that choice, but they had a will and God gave them that will. Now, <laughs> everything was good, but God only gave them one command other than his job to do. Only one thing they weren't allowed to do. One thing. But Satan enters the picture. Now all, we have all good, all they know is good. And now comes a temptation. Does everybody understand that a temptation is not a sin? Temptations are not sins. Temptations are just what they are. They are. It tempts us. Are there good temptations? Are there good temptations? It wouldn't be a temptation if it was good, right? How many of you are are, are tempted to not eat? Good, no. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is, is the temptation is there. And even though the temptation was there, they knew what the rules were. One command. Not to break one command. But because of the free will that God gave Adam and Eve, they chose to sin. They chose to get that. And we know all the repercussions, all the repercussions that comes from that. But Eve was the first one. And what was happening was her will was challenged. It said the devil was crafty and he was crafty in the temptation that he did. But he still, she still had to make a choice. She still had to choose to say yes to the temptation. Does anybody know that the Lord said that with every temptation, with every temptation, he offers a way of escape. How many of you have ever felt like You looked and looked and looked and looked to try to find the escape. There's only one answer to temptation. Anybody know what that answer is? The answer is no. The answer is no. When we are tempted, we are tempted and God wants us to say no. But it's our choice what we decide to do with the temptations that lie before us. Some temptations may be easy for you to overcome. Other ones are harder to overcome. But the thing is, is God put inside of us the ability to reason, and he had a spirit that he put inside of us to make a choice. Now, we all like to talk about Christianity and how the power of the Holy Spirit gives us all these things inside to help us to be able to make good choices and say no to all of the things of God. And those things are true. But you have to realize that in the unbeliever, in the unbeliever, God put a conscience. Man lived by that conscience for for many, many, we don't know how many hundreds of years, but lived by his conscience before the law. He lived not by the law of the land that God wrote in the tables, but he lived upon the conscience that he had. We all know what good is. We're born and we know what's good. We know what's good and wrong. I ask, I ask prisoners all the time in jail, how many of you knew that, the, that the, when you did what you did, that put you in this place, knew that you were wrong. They always raised their hand that they knew that they were wrong. Well, why did they do it if they knew it was wrong? They had a choice to choose right or wrong, and they chose to fall into the temptation. So it's imperative that we understand that, that, that our, all of the things that happened in our lives, anything, whether it be a temptation or whether it be able to do anything, is a choice that God has given to us. And from the very beginning, he had a choice for Adam and Eve that he wanted them to choose no to that tree of knowledge of good and evil. But he prepared another way. Now, up until that, up, now we go thousands of years forward, all the way forward, until Jesus Christ comes to the earth. And when Jesus Christ, he was called what? The second Adam, right? He came into this world, he was born sinless. And he lived a sinless life. A lot of people <laughs> say that, well, the reason why Jesus could, could do all of this, and I've heard so many people say this, that the reason that Jesus could do that was because he was God. And he had some kind of special power That allowed him to be able to walk with all this power and all of this stuff that's there. And really he had no choice in the matter because he had to stay sinless. And because if he had to stay sinless then to be able to he knew what he had to do. But you have to realize that we know that the Holy Spirit didn't come upon Jesus until he was 30 years old to start his ministry. That's when we saw it. But yet we know that he lived by the law. He lived the law of the land. He lived the law that was before the Jews. He lived that land and he lived it perfectly. He lived all of those things perfectly. But the thing about it is is people don't realize it, but Jesus did have a will. He was tempted in every way that we were tempted. If you read the book of Hebrews four fifteen, it says, For we have not we for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but with all points tempted, but in all points tempted like we are, yet doing it without sin. So he was able to do all of the things. He was tempted, just like we would be tempted, but yet he was able to say no to sin. Okay? People say, well, did he have a will? Of course he had a will. He was created. He was man. A lot of people say he's 50% man. He's 50% God. He wasn't 100% man, 100% God, right? Because he was 100% of what God wanted him to be. But if you look in Luke twenty two forty two, 42, it says, in saying this, this is when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he was weeping. He was crying. He was doing all these different things. He says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, Jesus had to submit his will to his Father's will. He said, I do what I came to do, what my Father tells me to do. I did not come to do that of my own, but I came to do that which was the will of my Father. Now, Jesus was our example. He was the example for us in everything that he did. We go through, we just go through a healing service. We know about salvation. We, we, we talk a lot, we, a lot of the churches talk about uh, the, the, the cross, and, and, and we talk about Jesus dying on the cross, dying on the cross, dying on the cross, shed his blood for us, and what, what cleanses us from sin is because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we teach the blood, the blood, the blood, and everybody knows about the blood, they just forget about the body, right? We preach one side of the cross, but we don't preach the other side of the cross in the sense that there are two things that happened on that cross. God died for the sins of the world. Yes, he did, but he also died for everything else and took it in his body so that we don't. We just had a sealing service to bring people to that realization that Jesus Christ not only can save, he saves yesterday, today, and forevermore, but he also heals yesterday, today, and forevermore. Okay? But we lose sight of all of the benefits of of what God's Word says. It's important that we not live on, as brother, uh, as brother Goodluck mentioned, Pastor Goodluck mentioned uh, here a couple of weeks ago. We, have, we, he didn't put it this way, but it, we have become a fast food, a fast food franchise world. When I married my wife, there was a massive change took place in my life. I was a fast food junkie. I mean, that's all I, I raised families, I had, you know, like problems of beating with the ends and I couldn't take my kids out to eat at $25 a plate. We had to go to McDonald's and Burger King, and if we splurged, we went to Golden Corral. Okay? Some of you have been there. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Well, I had to change because my wife, there's very few fast food chains that she'll go to. Chick-fil-A is one of them she likes. But the thing about it is, is, it's a choice that she made in her life to, de- uh, to do certain things her way. Now, we have her life over here. And then we have my life over here with all the choices that I make and that I like. And two shall become one. Yeah, right. I became one of her. Any of you men know what I'm talking about? okay? You become one of her. I passed this along to Pastor Goodluck. He's used it several times. God made man the head. He is the head of the family in every respect. And he said the woman is one step below that. She's the neck and she turns it any way she wants it to go. But the thing about it is we have wills. In marriages, when we bring two wills together, what do we come up with? Problems. I've done it. If I have said this once to my wife, I've said it a dozen times and probably a dozen of a dozen times. I would say a million times, but I've told her a million times not to exaggerate, so I won't. Okay. So, But the thing about it is is we bring two wills into this situation, and then we have to begin to work on a common will between us. If we don't this common will that comes between us, the things about it is it causes conflict, okay? When you cause conflict and you because it's sometimes I think it's nice because when we get together and we get married when we're young and we haven't got so much stuck in our ways, it's easier to come together in your youth than it is to come together in your later years. <laughs> Be careful on that one, but anyway, yeah. careful years, okay? Because why we have a history of life that we've lived, both coming together into one will, okay? Because those two wills have to get along with one another. And it doesn't always work perfectly because we do have our own will and we do make our own choices in what we want. And how many of you have ever made a wrong choice? You better put your hands up or that's the worst choice you ever made. That's starting to lie. That's late in life. Okay, but we've all made choices that were wrong choices, and hopefully the choices that we we make thousands of choices a day. Do you realize that I'm making the choice to walk like I'm walking? That's something I choose to do. Right? We make thousands of choices a day, and thank the good Lord that not many of those choices have anything to do with actually directing our life or making an impact on our life going forward. They're just things that we that we do out of creative habit of our will. Right? So. It's important for us to understand that God had a will for us, a will in our life for us to do. But we must be willing to do what the will of God says to do. We have become a society of people who are resistant, resistant, believe it or not, becoming resistant to good things because we're looking for comfort. We're looking for comfort because we want to be comfortable where we are. We want to be comfortable doing what we're doing. Okay? And the thing about it, if we become comfortable in what we're doing and we get in the wrong comfort zone, then that's when we begin to get ourselves and get ourselves in, in, in the problems of, believing what, of, of doing what we need to be doing. Our will, our will is the only thing standing in the way of the bountiful blessings of God that He has created and given to all believers. The only thing standing in the way is our will. Now, everybody said, what do you mean my will is standing in the way? Okay. Well, if you go to God's Word and you begin to search God's Word, you find out that the victory to living for God is in His Word. That's where the benefits are that's there. And it's important that we understand that we must be willing to trust in Jesus. Trust Him completely. We must be able to accept Him as our Savior. We must be able to accept the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's guidance. We must accept His Word and do what it says. We must serve. We're all called to serve. We're all ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We might all be pastors. We might all be ministers in the sense of standing, as pastor says up here in the the pulpit, and things of this nature. But we're all called to be ministers of Jesus Christ, called to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Goodluck has to prepare messages, to minister to us and we get the good meat of the Word, those don't come through osmosis. They just don't trickle down from above. It takes time in the Word. It takes time in prayer. It takes time to be able to do those things, to be able to be able to come up here and to be able to share those things. The thing is, you have the ability to do the same thing that He's doing in your own life to be able to strengthen your life on your, by yourself. We don't have to be fed by someone else our whole life a baby is only fed by his mother for a certain period of time. There comes a time when the child has to pick up a spoon and get it all over themselves, learning how to eat, to learn how to feed themselves. And we need to learn how to how to feed ourselves and be able to do what God's word is telling us to do. Believing in His word is, it, it, believe, by believing in His word, we can grow in spiritual wisdom, spiritual knowledge. And spiritual understanding, these things are, in the book of Proverbs, it's covered so many times in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is basically written about wisdom and what wisdom is all about. If you want to learn a lot of wisdom, read the book of Proverbs. Start it, read it, and as soon as you read it, start over and read it again because there's great wisdom there. But that's not the only place that there's wisdom there's wisdom in other places. But the thing about it, we all come into the benefit of understanding that to gain wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, something requires some type of willingness on our part. Now, I want to ask somebody a question here. Ask all of you a question. All right, first of all, how many of you will raise your hands for me? Okay. I want to see who won't raise their hands even if they know there's nothing coming. Okay. So that way I'll know the ones who will be non-participants in this. How many of you know what a car is? How many of you know what a car is? I just want to see. Everybody know what a car is, okay? Now, how many of you know how to drive a car? How many of you know how to drive a car well? Okay, good. You look around, you see a lot of people. How many of you know how to put gas in a car? Okay, now we're going to get tough. How many of you can change a tire? Okay. How many of you can change the oil in a car? Uh Uh-oh. Only a few hands, okay? How many of you can tune up a car? Uh Uh-oh. We got three. Okay. How many of you can tear an engine down and put it back together and it run? One. Now, everybody here knows what a car is. You have knowledge of a car, right? Right? We all have knowledge of a car. We know what it is. We know what it's used for. We may not understand every aspect of what it does, but there's one thing that all of you know. If you get in it and you put the key in it and you turn it on and you crank it, it should get you from point A to point Z. Okay, From one place to somewhere else. How many of you agree that we all can pretty much agree on that, right? But when it goes beyond that, we may have the knowledge of the car, but we don't understand everything about that car. We don't understand every aspect of what makes that car go down the road. I've asked in my past life, <laughs> in my past life, the thing of asking people, I said, How many, what makes a car go? Do you know what the number one answer is by men? Say it. What makes a car go? An engine. The women's answer is gas. Okay? So our understanding here is across the board. Different understandings of what a car. Does that take away from your ability to be able to get in the car and drive home tonight? No, because you don't need to know how to change the oil. You don't even really know how to put gas in it as long as your husband does, right? You'll get home tonight with the knowledge that you have. And there are people in the church today that has the, knows the gospel of Jesus Christ enough to get from church to home and back to church again. They don't know the deep fundamental teachings and the foundational principles of God's Word. That all comes in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. See, I can preach this because when I get through Pastor Goodluck's one has to catch all the flack, not me. See? No, I'm just joking. Whatever. But anyway, it's important for us to understand that knowledge of God's Word is important for our lives. But just as in this car example, there are many levels of knowledge that we have. Okay, Some here tonight have read the Bible completely through, from Genesis to Revelation. There's people here tonight that some of you have read it many times. There's some of you that's read it many times and studied all of it. And there's some here that's read it and studied it many, many times. Okay, And there's a difference between reading God's Word and studying God's Word. Okay, We can read God's Word, and, and sometimes I think we get hung up in the fact of doing speed reading courses. How fast can we read the Word of God? The thing about it is, if you read all of the Word of God and get nothing out of it, what have you accomplished? Okay, You haven't really accomplished anything. And the thing about it is, God, God showed us in His Word... Even here, in, 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 if we look, he, he shows us in his word what we have to do to be able to, to increase our spiritual knowledge, our spiritual understanding. Now, we all talk about, uh, about uh, Solomon when the great thing about, you know, splitting the baby in half, you know, to find out who the real mother and all that kind of stuff. Oh, great wisdom. That was such great wisdom. Wisdom was what he did when he said, bring me the sword. That was wisdom. But do you think he just had wisdom when he said, give me a sword? No, he already had knowledge. He already had understanding. He already knew that a, that a mother's love for her child was greater than anything. He knew that. He knew that knowledge. He never knew how to use it, and didn't ever have the opportunity to use that. But when he said, "Give," when God dropped that knowledge, that wisdom into his heart, and he said, "Give me that sword," and we're going to split this when he give it, then he knew that that mother would never let that child die. Okay, you see, before Solomon could use the wisdom that God gave him at that moment, he had to first have knowledge of how the woman thinks of her child. He had to come into that knowledge and to know those types of things. And we say, and the thing about it, that one thing that he did, he became renowned because of that one thing. They came from all over the world to see the for somebody to come up with that one piece of thing. And and to us today, we say, well, that's a no given thing, you know. Mother, the thing about it is it was great wisdom, okay? So we can, sometimes the things that we may look at it to see that's not the best wisdom and so forth in the world is great wisdom when it comes from God. God is the source of what? All wisdom. He's the source of all wisdom. He's the source of all, period. How could he have created the knowledge of good and evil and give them a choice if he didn't know what evil was? So he had to, to, and I heard a lot of people talk about the fact that "Could God? did God have to create evil? Anything it was and was to be created had to be created by God. Now, it wasn't what God wanted for mankind, but it was there, and that temptation was there. But I want you to turn with me, or if you want, to, if you've got your Bibles with you, Proverbs, second chapter. And we're going to look at a few verses. That's my introduction. I'm doing not good at all. All right, Proverbs, it says, My son, he's talking to his son here, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, he says, first of all, he says, if, if. In these first eight verses, you'll see if there, every time, if. What does if mean? Hmm? It means there's a choice, Right? There's a choice. There's a willing choice that you have to choose, right? In other words, he he told his son, if you will receive, if you will receive, that meant that it was a possibility that he would not receive, right? But he said, if you receive my words. Now, how many of you tonight are receiving my words? Okay. Now, you're receiving what I'm saying. But that does not define receiving. Because Jesus talked about let him who has an ear hear, because he said, Some have heard but did not hear, and some have seen but yet did not see. Okay? There's if you for instance, everybody stand up. Okay? Now you can sit down. All right? Now because you stood up, when I asked you to stand up, and you sit down, when I said sit down, that means you heard what I said. Why? Because it caused you to do something. If you receive something, then it, then you have to have, if you receive it, then you're going to do what it says. So if you receive what the Word of God says, it means you will just receive it or you're going to receive it and do it. See, when Jesus talked about people hearing but did not hear, He said they physically heard it, but they didn't apply it in their life. And if you don't apply what you know and what you hear, you haven't heard. And until you hear and apply to your life, nothing changes. Because it's only words. This Bible right here has black words... On a white piece of paper. But this right here. Gets nothing. Until it's in here. It does nothing. On that piece of paper. But it will do miracles. If it's in here. When you apply what is in this book. Apply what's in it. In other words, hear and see what's in it and receive it and do what it says. Then it becomes life to you instead of a book. Okay? That's the reason why we call it the book of life. I like to talk about the book of life. Our name's going to the book of life. God gave us this book and this is our life. It's the book that God gave us to give us life. But we can't get the life out of this book until we get what's in this book in our hearts. Okay? That's the only way. And you're going to see that right here. It says, if you receive my words and treasure my commands. I don't know how many commands there are in the, in the Bible. I really don't. I read somewhere that there's a, over a thousand just in the New Testament alone. So there's a lot of things that God requires of us to do. right? But there are things that we automatically do most of the time anyway once we've given our heart to the Lord because it becomes part of our nature to do so many things, right, of what it does. But the thing about it is we have to treasure them. If you have something that's a treasure, that means it means something to you. Treasures mean something. When this word begins to mean something, instead of just being the Bible, instead of just being God's word, it becomes something that means something to me, that I treasure having it, I treasure having it in my heart and in my life. That's when it begins to mean something to me. If you receive the words, that's what? Hide them in your heart. Then it goes on verse two. It says, So that you incline your ear to wisdom. He says, You have to be able to receive my words and treasure my commands, so that you incline your ear, or you apply it to your heart. Right? So incline your ears to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Now, we, we come up with these three words, and I'm going to explain these three words in a minute to where they, in a simplistic way <clears throat> of what they really mean. But the thing about it is, we have to do First of all, he says, use your ear. Remember, he said, hear? What do you hear with? Your ear. He says, so how do you get the word? You get the word by hearing. Incline your ear to the words that he's fixing to tell us, right? He says, if you incline your ear to the wisdom of the Lord, he says, and apply it to your heart to get understanding. So now we're talking about wisdom, we're talking about understanding. Then he goes on in verse 3, he says, Yes, if you cry out for discernment. Discernment. We talk, we'll, talk, well, we'll talk about discernment here in just a minute. Hey, discernment. He says, and lift up your voice. Now he says, cry out. The pastor's been talking about what? The mouth. What are, we, what are we supposed to be doing? Cry out to God. Cry out. Cry out. Discernment. Cry out. Lift up your voice for understanding. Verse 4 says, If you seek her as silver. Where have we heard that seek before? Seek and you shall find. Right? In the New Testament, Jesus talked about it. Seeking. Do we seek knowledge? Or do we just exist where we are? See, seeking means that you have to put forth an Effort. To accomplish something. You cannot seek anything out without effort. And effort's where it comes in. Effort sometimes is hard. You want me to tell you what's harder than effort? Change. I know. I did things my way for 60 plus years of my life. Okay? 60 plus years of my life. And then all of a sudden one day I met her, and I had to change some things in my life. Okay, to change, right? But there's things that she had to change. But hers was easy, mine was hard. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is it, er, change is one thing that's very difficult to do. So to be able to, do, to to be able to do this and lift our voice, and seek something, and to search, seek, and then it says search for the hidden treasures. Search for the things that are the deep recourses of what God wants. He said if you do these things, all these things say, if you notice, what's what's the word that comes at the beginning of it? If, which means if you seek as silver. In other words, seek it as though it's something most precious, something that costs a lot. Because if you seek it like you would seek silver and gold and precious stones, if you seek it like this, it's like you're on an adventure to get something that's a worthwhile and worth, worth money, worth lots of money. This book talks about, in Proverbs, talks about wisdom is greater than money or any riches. Because wisdom gets you money and riches. <laughs> okay? That's what gets you the money at the riches is when God plants things in our hearts and desires in our hearts to do certain things. But we have to seek and we have to search. <clears throat> now, understanding, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. It is a very complex system, <clears throat> and wisdom comes from God. and Sometimes the word wisdom and, and, <clears throat> and, and understanding are tied together and I don't want to not keep them tied together, but to make it to where we can understand it just a little bit, this is a very simplest, simplistic... It Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are like this, okay? But to be able sometimes to understand what it is. Knowledge is only knowledge. Now that sounds stupid. But knowledge is only knowledge. Knowledge. There are many atheists who have more knowledge of the Word of God than Christians. What's the difference? They have the knowledge because they read it. You read it, you get the knowledge of what's in the Word of God. How many of you know if you read and you understand what it says, that becomes knowledge to you? Everything that we read is recorded into our brain, correct? Everything. It's a picture in our mind. If we had, if we had uh, 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 photographic memory and the ability to be able to see it like Pastor Goodluck does, <clears throat> we, we would be able to read this and, under, and, and remember every verse and its address where it is. It's in our mind. The knowledge is there. It just hasn't come out yet, right? But does that mean it can't come out the Spirit can bring that out anytime they get good and he gets good and ready. And he can use it anytime he gets good and ready. Okay? But the thing about it, knowledge is only knowledge until you get understanding. Understanding goes beyond knowledge because now an atheist who does not have understanding does not understand what those words mean. He knows what it says, but has no understanding of what it means. Why? Because he doesn't have the Spirit of God to give him understanding. He only has the ability that everybody has and that's just to put the knowledge in your head. By reading it out of a book you can put the knowledge there. And so many people have read the Bible so many times and they read it and they read it and they read it and it's all up here but they never applied and asked God for understanding this word says ask for understanding and with understanding these words come alive and they become something beneficial to our lives. Okay? Now, Understanding then is knowledge with understanding. Now wisdom is what I believe happened in, in, in using the same illustration I used about the baby splitting the baby. <clears throat> I believe that Solomon gained knowledge, he understood a woman's love for her child, but had never had to make that never had to use that knowledge that he had the way that he had to use it that day. He knew the knowledge. He understood the love of a mother. I'm sure he understood his mother, his love. I mean, he understood all of these things. But he had never crossed his mind, what do I do with two mothers saying one baby's theirs? And that's when God dropped wisdom. God took his knowledge, his understanding... Applied the wisdom of God to it, and he did what he did. That's the way it is. But many times we seek the wisdom of God, but we haven't even started on the knowledge part yet. We have to have knowledge to start. God can't pull wisdom down if he has nothing to work with. You understand what I'm saying? We have to apply, we have to have the knowledge that's in there, right? So knowledge is important. Wisdom is there. But then he goes on in the next verse. He gave us These things, if you, if, he says, if you will do these things. If you will. Now, I'm going to assume tonight that all of you are going to hear what I'm saying, which means you're going to hear and you're going to start doing what this is. And that is to start getting and seeking wisdom, seeking understanding, and seeking knowledge of God. Putting knowledge into your mind. Putting wisdom and understanding. Getting all those things. Asking God for them. Because he says this, here are the results of doing that. He says, if you do this, then, then, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. How many know the Bible says "To fear the Lord? What does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to just tremble and shake and be fearful all the time that we stand before the Lord? No, it, 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 it's, it's, like a, it's like a reverent fear. You revere Him. You know who He is. You know what He's capable of doing. <laughs> okay? You know what He is. And you know that omniscient power that He has. Omniscient, all-powerful. All-powerful God. A God who created the universe. A lot of people say, well, He created the heavens and the earth. Well, heavens is the universe. Right? He created all of it. And sometimes I think that we hear so much about how much God loves us that we forget Who he is. I like the term when it says Abba Father. It says it's like Daddy. And I believe that we're supposed to have a close communion with God like that. But sometimes I think we lose sight of his omniscience. A God that in that could wipe this entire human race out of existence. Like that. That's a fear, not a fearfulness, but a fear of reverencing Him who He and revering who He actually is. And I think if we really realized who God was, we all know who we are. We're a child of God, and He's our Father, and He loves us. Yes, all of those things are true. I understand that they're true. But when we, when we lose sight of His power, and we lose sight of who He is and what's at His disposal, which is everything, I think that we would, and this is going to be a hard word to get out, respect God for who He is. Because everything we do is a mirror to the world of what we think about God. Everything that we do. Everything. And you don't think that, that bugs me a lot of times because I get to do it and I'm saying, should I be doing this? I had a minister one time say, somebody asked me what's right and what's wrong. The thing about it is, we already know what's right and wrong. We know what's right and wrong. Because if you still, if you, he said, if you'll just use this rule, when you go do it, would you invite Jesus along? If Jesus was sitting right next to you, would you be there? And those things they say, well, that I don't, I, I don't know what you mean, Brother Graham. If you don't know what I mean, you're never going to get it. Because it's a respect. Respect is two ways. God respects us. He he respects our choices. Doesn't mean he likes it. He may respect it, but, he like it. but the thing about it is, do we respect him, and do we understand that? That's not my message. That was free charge. Okay, now. He says in verse six, "For the Lord gives wisdom." He says, "The Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding." See, this kind of says what I said while ago. It says, "What does it say?" It says, "The Lord gives wisdom." God gave wisdom to Solomon at that moment, right? He gives wisdom. From His mouth comes, in other words, from His teachings of His Word comes knowledge and understanding. Those two things must come for God to be able to have the wisdom for you to receive. And when it talks about wisdom, it's talking about receive skillful and godly wisdom. It's supernatural. It's something that comes from God that's special. And I believe that everybody has had the opportunity to be able to walk in God's wisdom in the things because God, God, through the Holy Spirit, has brought all things to us. But he goes on, verse 7, he says, it says, he stores or hides up sound, godly, and skillful wisdom for the upright. In other words, for us who are righteous. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. And uprightly means people who walk in the integrity of the Lord. And this integrity that we walk in is all the things that's God, that, that God has done for us, right? In verse, in verse 8 it says, he guards our path. In other words, he goes with us every day. If we seek his wisdom and his knowledge and his understanding, we'll know which way to go in the path. We'll know which way to go in life. How many times do we seek, seek direction from God? We're saying, God, which way to go? Which way do I go? Which way do I go? God says, what's my word say? What's my word say? Does that mean that, God, that the Holy Spirit can't lead you, lead you in some way through speaking to you individually? Yes. But there's many things in God's Word. So many people have tried, tried to, to get all the things that's not in God's Word, get the answers to all of the things that's, that's, uh, get things that's not mentioned in God's Word to get all the answers when they don't even have the, the, the information that's in the Word. We got to start with the word first and then grow from the word if you want to if there's such a thing as growing from it. but what I'm saying is growing, but the word is where we start, right? The word is where we start. Now, it guards our path. Justice. God is a just God. He's God. He's just. He's just in everything that he does. And he preserves the way of the saints. Verse 9 says, Then, then, talking about after you've done all this, then you will understand righteousness, you will understand justice, you will understand equality or dealing fairly, in every area of your life, and every good path. He says, all of the, if you seek Him, as we talked about in verses 1 through 4, then what happens on verse 5 through 9, He says, you will, then you will understand righteousness. Understanding your right place in God, where you're right standing with God. Once you understand your rightful place in God, that is the beginning of the great wisdom of God. Because once you understand that, and it's not something people say, I, Brother Graham, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. If we believe something, what does that mean? How many of you know that there's a difference between? How many know that there's a difference between faith and believing? They're two different words. The Bible says, "Have faith in God." That is like a trust that you have in faith of God. But when you look at faith, that's a noun. There's no action to that. That is a matter of fact. I trust in God. But when he says believe, as pastors put this so many times, when we pray for people, when you believe, you put your faith into action. Remember when we pray for people, we'll say, do something that you couldn't do before. That is what? An act of faith. It's an act of faith. What it is, is faith-believing. Or a believing faith, if you want to look at it that way. But these things are important. Now, <clears throat> that's sermon one. Okay. Um, verse ten, and now I'll close. Uh, let's go. Let's go through eleven, and then we'll quit. When wisdom enters the heart, wisdom goes where? That's 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 the. I call it the heart mind of the heart mind. If you want to look at it that way, into our heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. (laughs) Sometimes the Word of God doesn't sit well because it's a little rough, especially when it's a Word of... If it's a Word of praise, we love it. If it's a Word of acceptance, we love it. If it's a Word of change, we don't. Okay? But sometimes the Word does. But when the Word becomes peaceful to your soul, when it becomes peaceful inside of here... Then it's become part of you, and it will blossom from that. That's where things grow from that point. And then in verse 11 it says, Discretion will preserve or watch over you. If you preserve me, like to watch over you. So discretion. to <coughs> Discretion, I try to find a good definition. Discretion is defined as the quality of behaving or speaking in such a way as to avoid causing offense Are revealing private information, or the freedom to decide what should be done in a particular situation. The Word of God, the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God will give you discretion. It will give you discretion to make right choices, to make right choices in your life. So discretion is important. So divine wisdom, knowledge, and understanding... Is not given in a vacuum. It's given from God as we approach God, as we approach His Word. I challenge you tonight, as I close tonight, I challenge you to get in the Word. If you're already in the Word and you read the Word, I invite you to study the Word. Study the Word. But before you ever open the Bible, pray first for God to give you understanding and to give you knowledge and pray. Pray for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And I believe that if you pray for it, God will give it to you. miraculously right from the Lord, okay? God bless you. all love you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, I pray, Lord, that this night that some of the words, Lord, that I have said, that we will not just hear in the way that some hear but don't hear, but, Lord, that we will hear and and cause change in our lives. Lord, may we not be moved in this moment, but, God, may we be changed tonight to study your Word, to seek wisdom and knowledge and understanding from you, because that's where all of our benefits in life come. And I praise you, Lord, for that that you've given to us. God, I pray that you go with us to our homes. Lord, tonight, be with us. Watch over us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for everything that's happened tonight. And one last prayer, Lord. Let the Astros win. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed.